a great pleasure it is to welcome SAP to What's Next and uh, we're going to have a fantastic discussion. Cameron Beveridge joins us. He's the Regional Director for Southern Africa at SAP Africa. Firstly, Cameron, it's good to see you. Um, I can see from the backdrop, uh, I don't know if you're in your office or you're still working remotely, but boy oh boy, how COVID-19 has changed everyone's lives and businesses around the globe. Yeah, Saaki, so firstly, thank you for uh, having me on the show. It's great to be here. And yes, unfortunately, we are still working remotely. Uh, this is my home office. Um, we are actually uh, in the process of trying to work out how we slowly start getting back to normality. But I think this is going to be the, the state of the norm for an extended period of time still. No, it's been fascinating and so unpredictable. You know, I remember the uh, having discussions with many bank executives and in the finance sector. And, you know, this was in May of last year. And everybody thought that by January of 2021, we'd be going back to normal. Now they're saying January 2022. So let's see if that holds still. But this this pandemic is still so unpredictable. But what are some of those trends that you are seeing around cybersecurity? Because whoever you talk to, about this pandemic, this work from home, the vulnerabilities all seem to be around security. What are those trends that you're seeing, Cameron? Yeah, so look, you're 100% correct. I mean, I mean, the first thing that we need to acknowledge is um, that uh, uh, not only are we in the midst of a, a biological pandemic, but we're certainly in the midst of an accelerating cyber pandemic. Um, and, you know, there's no doubt that COVID has accelerated this and has uh, mainly because of the new norms of working, but also, you know, customers are now operating across an extended enterprise, and this, is, um, this has created blind spots or, if you like, um, accelerated new threats from a cybersecurity standpoint. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, it's a, fair, it's a fair statement to say that the pandemic has uh, certainly operated as a force multiplier for cyber, for cyber threats. And... The, the increasing responsibility on customers, consumers, vendors to uh, find solutions to it. Um, you know, if you look at uh, some of the uh, stats to support the argument, they're actually they're actually quite scary. Um, mm. You know, if you take if you just take um, in the UAE alone in their latest uh, published cybersecurity report, I mean, they've had a 250% increase in cyber attacks through 2020, and up to 49% of companies. Um, have experienced an attack, so that's just in that's just in one area, um, which is uh, which is which is frightening. You know, if you think about um, so what we're seeing, you know, from a from an SAP standpoint and the information that we're able to gather is, uh, you know, certainly uh, through the latter half of 2019 up to current, you know, pure data breaches are up in excess of 33 percent. Data records that have been exposed are up 112 percent. And essentially, overall, cybercrime has the cost of cybercrime, firstly, in terms of um, how do we protect it, but also, you know, the, the long-term implications is up over 72%. So it's, um, it's uh, certainly uh, an interesting challenge for all of us to uh, take on board. I mean, Cameron, those statistics you just mentioned are, are, are just flippin' scary. I mean, when you think about pre-pandemic, we were already like almost in, in, in like a war zone when it comes to data security, and that was growing exponentially. 
Now you're telling me that it's grown even more so over and above that exp exponential growth uh, over the pandemic period. And, and your numbers resonate and make complete sense from what I'm reading out there. It is frightening. What role does SAP play in terms of the data security? What are you guys doing about this? Well, you know, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting question. And I guess it's... Um, if I could frame it slightly differently, I mean, many vendors and cloud vendors like SAP, we have a, uh, we, we certainly have a significant role to play in protecting against cybersecurity and data breaches, but, but there's a partnership or a strong collaboration that needs to happen uh, with both the uh, customers, our customers, customers or consumers, and the respective vendors. I mean, what we're also seeing, which is, which is, which is creating this, uh, um, uh, explosion around cybersecurity and the need to protect against uh, threats is the fact that as companies rapidly accelerate into this digital enterprise, we're beginning to operate in not only a digital enterprise, but a connected enterprise across mm -hmm. supply chains, um, across multiple customers. And we're in this always on uh, environment. And then if we compound that with the fact that um, people are working remotely, you know, you can imagine that the traditional methods that uh, that vendors would have had in terms of physical infrastructure, physical security, uh, things like that has have become surpassed because of the new uh, working environment. So, you know, when you come back to what an SAP or vendors like SAP are doing, well, certainly our first and foremost uh, approach is how do we safeguard our customers' core systems? Because also the value of data has become... Uh, more and more intrinsic to to any organization. In fact, data is probably uh, a company's greatest assets in the digital economy. Um, and uh, so, so our you know starting point is to work with our customers to understand how we can protect their core systems um, against uh, any form of attack, so that they can protect their data. But it's but it's so of course there's. Um, there's a lot of work that uh, SAP and vendors like SAP are doing in terms of uh, protecting our core systems uh, on behalf of our customers. But what we also need to do is understand where our customers are in terms of their journey. So, you know, it's a holistic approach. And if you, if you, if you think outside of the, the physical developments that go into, into our applications, you know, we also need to look at how we are uh, educating the consumers or the users of our applications. And in, and in the case of SAP, you know, we like to differentiate between an exemplar. So, so we do it ourselves. So as an example, October is Cybersecurity Month in SAP. And it's very much about making security a number one priority. So, so our mandate is how do we protect SAP and how do we open our minds to security across the entire organization? And every consumer or every user of an application, wherever you may be in the world, has to become a security officer in terms of uh, ensuring that they uh, have a key role to play in protecting any breaches. What we see is about 85% of breaches are people-related. So there's a lot of simple things that we can do from an education and a training standpoint um, you know, that can certainly drop a lot of these uh, frightening percentages that we mentioned up front. Um, and then I think what's, um, what's uh, important to note is what's also come around as a result of the COVID pandemic 
and this acceleration in the digital economy is the move to cloud. So this is where the, the cloud vendors have a critical role to play. So we're seeing an acceleration of uh, customers uh, moving into cloud services. And if you think about it logically, it, it, you know, it's quite straightforward. Cloud yes. vendors have the, have the significant investments that they can make in terms of building applications that are enterprise-wide, that can be accessed remotely anywhere with all the necessary um, security protocols uh, built into it. You know, in the case of SAP, we've been acquiring and building out cloud services for close on 10 years now. And so a lot of our investment has gone into how do we manage those integrations? How do we get to a standard platform? What sort of tools and processes we can put around it? And most importantly, how do we build a very functional but structured governance model across the provision of the service, not only within SAP, but across the entire supply chain of, of, of which we operate with our customers. So that's where a lot of our focus has gone. But it's very much, there's a technology angle, and most importantly, there's this uh, strong focus on collaboration with our customers and the users of the applications. Wow, absolutely fascinating. So really, the, you know, the responsibility ultimately lies upon all of us uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, we, we, we're aware of what's going on. And I, I love the fact that you guys are having the, the uh, Security Awareness Month in October. And I think it's important that everybody in an organization needs to be focused on how they operate online you know i mean some i was uh, listening to a talk just recently you know the work from home scenario which you painted just a second ago where you know typically you will have a, an entire family using the home network so you've got uh, yourself doing business then you've got somebody watching uh, netflix for example and the one vulnerability that they that they found was in gaming you know and kids playing in these gamings yeah. in, in these gaming environments and these hackers were able to infiltrate through the chat comms and you know infiltrate the home network i mean it's frightening what's happening out there so i think everybody needs to be aware of the implications but can sap guarantee the safety of customer systems or 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 is this a, a collaborative effort? And I, I suspect that it's a little bit of both, right? Because that collaboration needs to happen between me as a user and SAP at the same time, right? Yeah, you're 100% correct, Aki. I mean, the simple answer is um, no vendor, no organization can reduce the, uh, the risk to zero. But if we work in collaboration, as I said, with our customers, with our partners, with, our, with, with individuals, be they consumers or users of data, that, that strong collaboration and the education around that and the governance that we put around it is how we can reduce the threats. Um, obviously, the benefit of, from, a, from you know, cloud vendors like an SAP is, is our ability to make significant investments. Um, and certainly, a lot of our focus, which, we, which our customers can benefit from, is, is how we bring to bear um, our security foundation which uh, you know, ensures that we are compliant with the necessary regulatory standards um, and uh, compliance reports, which certainly gives us the ability to communicate what we're doing um, in terms of uh, provisioning those security standards. Of course, we continue to innovate in our products um, and build in a lot of uh, proactive threat detection because it's no longer a question of if, but how a breach occurred. Um, and so when I talk about innovation, certainly in an SAP world, you know, if you recall up front, um, one of the stats that everyone is seeing is up to 85% of data breaches is people related. Now, there's two, 
There's two challenges to the people side of things is, one is there is uh, a scarcity of capacity. I mean, last year alone, uh, SAP hired in excess of 400 security experts to come into our organization. But from an innovation standpoint, we are very quickly moving towards how do we build into our business processes and into our applications, uh, leveraging the advantages of robotics, machine learning, um, you know, automation, artificial intelligence, so that we start learning and start becoming more predictive around how and when we expect to see these uh, cyber threats, how we detect them proactively and early enough, and then more importantly, how we make our, our uh, applications and business processes more robust going forward. Yeah, no. Look, I mean, I, I've been privileged enough to uh, to have hosted some of uh, your your big SAP events like Sapila over the last few years, and uh, you know, my one observation is uh, how seriously SAP takes security, and it's like it's it's baked into everything that you do. Now you're talking about adding even additional layers of safety, which is uh, fantastic to hear. I mean, what are those the the biggest uh, threats and areas of weakness when it comes to? I mean. In terms of cybersecurity, what, what would you say those would be? Well, I think it's um, I think it's specific to the to the nature of the threat. So, you know, what we are seeing is, um, and there's a there's a proliferation of it in the past couple of years. So we so there is certainly this advent of uh, nation states, which are driving um, uh, security threats. There's also there's a degree of uh, criminality. Uh, around uh, around these attacks, be it ransomware or be it for you know alternate ulterior strategic uh, imperatives, most of these threats are driven by an underpinning business case. Um, it's difficult to ascertain what that might be, but um, you know quite what was quite interesting, and I'm not sure if you if you saw it in the press yesterday, but yesterday the Department of Justice um, came out to announce that they had been subject to a ransomware attack. Uh, two weeks ago. Um, now, there's no doubt that personal information was accessed and uh, transferred out of the organization, but the extent of that is not yet known and hasn't yet been communicated. And obviously, what what was the rationale behind it is still, at this stage, uh, unknown. The one thing... And, that, and, that, and we haven't even happened. spoken about Popey, right? Correct. Or Popey, yeah. Popey, um, yeah, yeah. You know, the, yeah. The, 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 the issue with the cyber attack is not just that, you know, that discrete attack as and when it happens, but it's the knock-on effect. So in the case of Department of Justice, here you're going to get a consequence on uh, paying out of beneficiaries, access to certain funds. A lot of these are now put on hold until such time as they can uh, understand how the intrusion happened, what the potential consequence of it is, and put in place some remedial measures. I mean, that is one example. Another, another interesting example, which, which I, I think we're all aware of in the last couple of months, was the cyber attack that happened at Transnet on the 22nd of July. Now, we're still, we're still feeling the effects of that, Cameron. We, we're still feeling the well, effects of that. Yeah, and I think we will for uh, an extended period of time because, again, it's not just the, in this instance, Transnet, which was unfortunate to have the uh, cyber attack. But it's the end-to-end -end supply chain and the impact that it has on that. Um, and uh, again, uh, the you, what what we don't know is what was behind it, what drives it, 
what was the business case to, to drive the cyber attack and who stands to benefit from it. But one of the things that is, that is certainly a potential knock-on effect from, uh, from the attacks on Transnet, not only the impact on the local supply chain to, to customers in Southern Africa um, and up into Africa, but it potentially creates opportunity for competition elsewhere. So if, if, um, if, the, if you start building a trust deficit around partners in a supply chain who are potentially exposed to, um, to any form of uh, cyber attack, you know, then you, you start creating the opportunity for competition elsewhere. So in this case, hypothetically, it could stimulate the growth of, you know, other hubs elsewhere in Africa as a, as a backup supply chain route. So, so the impact of these cyber attacks are, are hugely material. But case by case, um, you know, we need to look at them on a case by case basis. Well, it's it's pretty scary the way you you've painted that picture there, Cameron. And I guess that uh, what 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 what's even scarier is we are talking about the 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 breaches that we know about and the companies have been open and transparent about. I mean, we don't even hear yeah. about yeah. most of the ransomware attacks, all the uh, breaches that have happened because you know companies don't say anything they try and contain it because of obviously reputational damage etc now with with moving to the cloud and you know customers are moving to the cloud and we, you mentioned it earlier it is a natural progression the, the benefits of the cloud are incredible um, now when you look at the considerations about around data protection i mean should those considerations be different in the cloud well i guess um the regulations around data protection, data protection, data privacy, cybersecurity, I guess they go hand in hand. I mean, the principle of, uh, of uh, the various regulations, whether it be POPIA locally or GDPR in, uh, in uh, Europe, is, uh, is more to drive an awareness and a compliance of customers to these regulatory standards. Now, um, certainly they exist to protect consumers, they certainly they exist to uh, have that consumers uh, who are exposed to data breaches or data losses have some sort of protection around that. But I think more importantly, um, these uh, these regulations and governance standards, what it does do is it brings a greater awareness to what customers need to do or vendors um, in order to demonstrate compliance against these standards so that we can start generating a much greater degree or heightened degree of awareness against the, the, the you know, the real challenge of uh, cybersecurity and, uh, and the associated attacks. You know, if you, if you look um, currently in, in, uh, in GDPR, and it's quite active elsewhere in the world, they have what they call an enforcement tracker. Now, what's interesting about the enforcement tracker, and you can, you know, you can, you can go online and you can look at it, it essentially specifies um, where, where, where companies or vendors um, have, have not been compliant to the various uh, regulations and standards and the fines that have been handed down to these organizations. Now, what's interesting for that is not so much the fines, obviously the companies are liable for the fines, but, but, it, but it continues to drive this awareness and, and hopefully gets us to close the gap between, between the obligations of vendors and customers to data protection and the protection of uh, you know customers and consumers on the on the other side, and and it kind of leads towards this principle of you know how do we define good business partners? 
So if we're operating in a particular set of customers or a supply chain where where the the you know there is um, certainly a degree of non-compliance against uh, the standards, and we have a heightened uh, set of attacks from a cybersecurity standpoint, you know th- this will start moving this trust of engaging in partnership with these organizations, perhaps to a different set of organizations. So, you know, the data protection regulations certainly have a key role to play in um, in overcoming this uh, very real uh, threat that we uh, find ourselves uh, operating with at the moment. Has the shift to remote working as a result of this pandemic had an impact on, on, on cybersecurity? I mean, we touched on it earlier, but I was just thinking as you were talking, I mean, the impact must be must be enormous and, and frightening at the same time. Well, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we're no longer operating in our uh, physical environments where we protected behind our infrastructure and firewalls, which were sufficient in the past. You know, now our employees are spread across multiple locations all over the world. Business has been conducted uh, remotely, um, you know, and, and therefore the, 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 the opportunity for uh, blind spots to develop and for more threats to, uh, you, you know, to, to happen is, is exponential. You know, you just need to think back to, to our earlier statement that 85% of data breaches are, are, are people related. Um, and therefore, now we need to extend the security not only from where our core business systems are sitting, which is the easy part, but how do we extend it across this remote world? And how do we, how do we deliver that protection wherever our employees or consumers of our data are sitting? So a lot of it is due to this um, uh, concept of an extended governance framework across the entire uh, value chain. But, but secondly, a lot of it is, uh, is um, a lot of the obligation sits with, sits with the users of the data, or in, in the case of SAP, our employees, to ensure that they are trained and that they become, you know, data security officers in their own, in their own right. Um, it's not, there isn't, an, there isn't an easy solution, but we absolutely focus on how do we, how do we drive awareness, how do we, uh, how do we drive uh, and, and get our people uh, trained up against our various policies and procedures, how do we continue to to innovate against that, how do we bring more remote processes into our business systems? All of this to try and de-risk the people element, um, which is uh, which is the number one reason for a lot of the breaches. I mean, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Um, you know, if you walk you walk through an airport and you you find a memory stick on the floor, you know, we're, naturally we're we're inquisitive. You'll probably pick it up. You might throw it in the dustbin or you chuck it in your you chuck it in your bag. At some point in time, you're going to plug it into something. You know, how do you protect against that? You know, the only way you can protect against things like that is that people become acutely aware of their own responsibilities in this process. Wow, it's frightening. And and you know what? Uh, I guess that we, you know, as human beings, we all have that curious nature. So you pick up that memory stick instinctively. Yeah. We all want to see what's on it. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's a great example that you just used there as I was thinking about it, what I would do. Um, and, and here we are supposedly being aware of everything around us and that curiosity might get the better of us. So that's a, it's an excellent example that you used. Um, by the way, what is an airport? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's been such a... 
I, I've, I've, I've actually been uh, at an airport once since uh, the lockdown started, so I'm, I'm missing the flying part. Um, what, what's the connection, Cameron, between uh, uh, data protection and data privacy? I think the two work together. Um, uh, there's no doubt that the, that the um, uh, data privacy links more towards the, uh, the uh, classification of data. Um, but, but, you know, if we, th if we think about data privacy, we think about uh, data security, how do we protect against cyber attacks? If we think about uh, the uh, data regulations such as uh, POPIA, GDPR, all of these work together. And uh, data privacy is more around how we classify the data um, and therefore the classification of that data by nature will determine a different level of security. Uh, and therefore, perhaps a different level of compliance to a, to a set of standards. Okay, very interesting. Um, I, I, I'd hate to ask you what, what's keeping you awake at night, because, I mean, the data breaches and where we are globally, I mean, that, that, that must keep you awake and, and, and the scenarios must be frightening. But uh, I'm just so glad that we've had this conversation because it's been, really been very refreshing uh, to, to, to see where it's, uh, you know, the outlook from a, an expert such as yourself on how important security is. Um, and I'm sure there are lots of things that keep you awake at night. Yeah, well, fortunately, Aki, in the case of a vendor like SAP, you know, we have... Um we have a chief security officer who this is his, uh, you know, his uh, sole purpose at SAP, reports directly into the board, shows you how, how seriously we uh, treat security and our innovation around that. Um, and we have uh, uh, a significant investment, both in terms of uh, people, processes and the technologies, which, uh, which will help us to manage these threats for our customers going forward. Um, so, so whilst it's certainly top of mind for me, um, you know, I'm fortunate that I've got a couple of other challenges I need to think about as well. And, uh, you know, we have uh, made the right investments as SAP that we have the right focus around security. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, looking at what you guys are going to be doing on Security Month. Cameron Beveridge is the Regional Director for Southern Africa at SAP Africa. Cameron, what a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for joining us on What's Next. Yeah, thank you, Aki. It's been a great pleasure.